A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this World Game Changers podcast episode. I've got a returning guest, a lady by the name of Rosemary Cunningham from Leon C in Essex. Rosemary, welcome back. Thank you, Paul. Nice to be here, talking about another subject close to my heart. Yep, and what this one's about, listeners, if we thought we'd talk about the broad, broad topic of soulful leaders... Now, Rosemary is going to be a bit more specific than that, but I just want to introduce this, this concept called soulful leaders. It's something you're going to be hearing quite a lot about in the forthcoming, uh, well, in the near future and beyond. So uh, in many respects, Rosemary, you are the first under this new banner, this new exciting banner. I'm not going to give too much away at this stage, listeners, but watch this space, or should I say listen to this space. So soulful leaders... Rosemary, on that broad platform, where are you going to take us? What more specifically, what do you want to talk about and, uh, and share with us? Well, uh, soulful leaders. Ooh, okay. So I work with heart-centered business owners, and I think we're all leaders. And um, Heart-centred means that you're not just led by financial gain. It's a necessary part of business, of course. But uh, first motivator is normally to make a difference and be much more heart-led. Yeah, and I think we're completely rewriting all the rules around business at the moment. Um, I think everything's up for change. Everything's up for renegotiation, particularly people who are starting their own businesses. We we don't have to follow any rules. We just make our own, don't we, and find out what works and <laughs> cherry, pick, cherry pick and magpie from other people and see, yeah. what, see what comes from our soul, really. Tune into ourselves to be capable of being quiet and listening to our soul for guidance that's certainly what I do that's how I work with my business that's when I'm most effective mm, get in touch with ourselves we spoke in a you know previous episode didn't we around this whole thing about you know relationships and getting in touch with ourselves first um, mm. and this is very much listening to you speak here Rosemary very much aligned with that you know um, I want to quote something that uh, I've quoted this many times before listeners and it kind of ties in with what Rosemary said there. And, and this is from many moons ago, from my own point of view. Um, I can't remember who, who actually said it. Uh, but anyway, and it's this. The object of a business is not to make money. The object of a business is to serve its people well. The result is to make money. And I think that kind of sums things up, Rosemary, does it not? That, you know... Certainly from business and in life in general, people are so focused on the end goal. You must win at all costs. You must turn a profit. You must do this. You know, the bottom line, the bottom line, the bottom line. I agree with you. I think that there's, there's, a, there's a shift. 
there's a big shift, not just in, you know, in finance and business, but in life in general. And it's more about service now, isn't it? Because people are waking up to the fact that actually, do you know what? I'm having the wool pulled over my eyes here and I'm not really valued. I'm just being sold to and talked at. And I think people have had enough. Any thoughts around that? It's definitely, I think we we have a lot more choice now, don't we? We we have, um, particularly with the internet, we have multiple choices on just about everything we choose to purchase. Mm. And we can either buy on price or we can buy on ethics or a combination of combination of all of them and looking at many, many different factors. And I think the world is encouraging us to do that as well. Yeah, very much so, very much so. So, you know, just picking up this relationship um, strand, this this theme, um, we have a relationship with money, don't we? We certainly do, yes. Yeah. yeah. Any, any, do you want to share one or two kind of different thoughts around that? I know we've spoken off here, Rosemary, and um, yeah, it might be useful to, to share that. And, you know, one or two of your thoughts around different thoughts that people may or may not have around this our relationship with money well we can all be very very different and we all have different motivators and a lot of it comes from when we're very small what we were taught about money and self-worth one of the examples I always go back to is if you're a little child and you want an ice cream and you say, mummy, mummy, can I have an ice cream? And mummy says, well, have you been a good boy, Paul? And you, I don't think you've been a good boy. And good boys don't, if you haven't been a good boy, you don't get ice cream. It's like Father Christmas, isn't it? So you're taught that if you're not good, you don't get what you want. And if you ask for it, you'll probably get rejected, which as an empath can be very, very painful. Yeah. And then that can make asking for what we want all the way all the way down the line in life can be really, really challenging. And that can be from asking for a wage increase or for asking someone to repay us the money they owe us or asking for a discount. Or um, that's just one aspect. But it comes, it, it does, I, when I work with, women we, we always look at your money story which is what was being modeled to you around money and self-worth particularly when you were very very small so between the age of zero and eight and looking at those old memories and what you were told that and the amount of people who've been told that rich people can't be trusted mm -hmm. I mean, someone quite recently who was working we said to her mother used to say well they've got big houses they're criminals <laughs> And, yeah. and our parents are our first god so what they say we oh my goodness and the general default when you're really young is to believe yeah and uh, maybe not so much now but certainly children were taught to believe what they were told and not question it yeah back in back in the day weren't they less so now um yeah, yeah less so now but yeah but everyone's very different and i do money archetype work so i get someone to answer about 80 questions, I think it is all about you and your attitude, giving and wealth and asking for what you want and whether you give it away, whether you hold it all tight. And from that, there are the system I use, the sacred money archetypes. There are eight different archetypes. 
and we look at the top three in in yours, the three highest scores are the three aspects of your money personality. And then we look at the lowest one because there's a bit of each in all of us. And the lowest one tells us where we're ignoring things. And the top three are the three different aspects of you and they can actually be fighting each other. One of them wants to keep money really close and not spend it, whereas the other one maybe wants to take a lot of risks. Mm. And it can almost be as if you're having an internal battle about what's right and uh, what's doable and what's acceptable and what's safe. Is there, a, is there a lesson for us there, Rosemary? Not just in the specific context, but, you know, we're brought up in a very polarised world where, you know, either or, black or white, you know, this or that. But I think there again, from my own experience of what's unfolding, the world's mellowing. And, and that stark polarisation of, you know, A or Z, you can only have one choice. I think that's on its way out. And there's this much more kind of hybrid of, well, actually, why can't I have both? Why must I always choose between X or Y or A or B or whatever? And, you know, do you, yeah, can, we, can you resonate with that? Is there a softening of, of the energy in today's world, it, albeit slowly? Any... I think there is, yeah, because I can, I can remember having a friend who was a primary school teacher back in, back in the late 80s, actually, when I was still doing my nurse training, and she said they were teaching the children that there was no right answer. Mm. Here's, the, here's the question, but there are many different possibilities, so let's discuss the possibilities, whereas when I was at school, it was just there was, there was right and there was wrong. Yeah. And, um, but it's also what we model to our children, isn't it? If you've been taught that it's right or wrong, and that's what was imprinted on you when you were five, then yeah. you may still be teaching your kids the same thing unless you've had a different kind of education or you've done a lot of personal development work. And, uh, yeah, of course, a bit like money, how you bring up your kids can be also be a big friction point in families, can't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what, what's, what's triggered there, as you were speaking, Rosemary, is right when I was brought up as a kid, you know, um, children should be seen and not heard. Mm. Um, yeah. Big boys don't cry, only girls cry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other one was boys like us go to prison, not university. Oh, wow. Goodness. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I come from a sort of, you know, rough inner city council estate of Nottingham. I'm very, very proud of those humble roots. But those are some of the founding, you know, we spoke in a previous uh, episode, didn't we, about, you know, founding beliefs from, you know, that age of, you know, um, around, what, well, from three till kind of six. So, you know, roughly there's different thoughts around which model um, we use. But, you know, in those early stages, irrespective and, you know, that was very, very instrument. Yeah, money's the root of all evil. Well, okay. It's an energy, isn't it? And it's it's how we use it. You know, a knife is a beautiful thing for spreading butter. But putting the mm. wrong hands, it's a lethal thing as well. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah. And um, I think the... The, the idea of scarcity and sufficiency is also a very, very powerful one. And 
and this goes back to economics. Um, you look back at the sort of the Adam Smith economics, which our economy is based on, it was that it's only a limited amount of money. And I think then it was the gold standard. And um, could, could be wrong there, but I know there was the, the gold standard where apparently a country only made enough money to match how much gold it had. And of course, that has nothing to do with what happens now at all. But we've still got that training that there's a pie. And if Paul's got this much, you know, 25%, and Rosemary's got 15%, if Rosemary's portion goes up 20%, Paul's has to go down to 20% as well. And that's what we've been taught. And that's what also imprinted on us around absolutely everything. Um, even, even love. You can only really love one person. That, that kind of thing. You know, um, what our church teachings keep people keep people controlled, wasn't it? You could have to, you could only marry and you could only marry one person. Yeah. And um, and there's a fascinating book by a woman called Lynn Twist called The Soul of Money. And um, she used to work for the Hunt. I think she founded the Hunger Project actually. And he talks about the concepts of sufficiency and scarcity and the myth of scarcity and what it's based on it anyone wants to go and really research this stuff it's, it's an absolute it's an easy read it's got lots of stories in there of different people in different countries it's well worth looking at mm. so soulful leaders like you've already said rosemary you do work you know you do a lot of work with uh, the female clients particularly um but this whole concept of soulful when i say those two words to you soulful leader what do, what does it stir within you what what's your you know what would be your definition uh, of a soulful leader i think it's the opposite to what we're the, the sort of the, the patriarchy really at the moment looking out at the way mr trudeau is treating people in canada um he, that is not soulful leadership soulful leadership as far as i'm concerned and soulful leadership is listening to people, hearing their concerns, being treating people with kindness, consideration, um, allowing people to have their say and to be to be heard. Um, it hasn't been traditionally the case in the world. And soulful leadership is leading the way from a heart place where the first motivation I think is service rather than holding on to your piece of the pie so nobody else can have any mm. and it's this, I think this is the other thing about working with women it said that women will hold back a lot um, they will give more money from their earnings they'll, they'll put it back into their community they'll give more to charity and they will support other people who are up and coming more as well. That is a female, a female way of working. And um, it's quite interesting. Somebody's just put on Facebook a picture of the leaders who are talking about the arms situation in um, Munich right now. And that they are all white and male around a big, big, big table. There must be 30 men around this table and they are all white and they are all white and male. No, there isn't any one of colour there. 
it's it's quite crazy in this day and age when women are there's so many more women in business and politics and they're just not represented at all it's still it's still out there and I think it, it can rub off now obviously men can be very soulful leaders as well but yeah. I think it's a divine for a divine feminine quality and of uh, being conciliatory and yeah just in, involving others it's really interesting I was there's an organization called Eve, which is a female in angel investment company. And I talked to the founder, a lady called Harveen, a few weeks ago. And she said, women actually investing in, in businesses is very, very small. And it's partly because it's such a patriarchal structure and investment at the moment. And women like to invest in a much more collaborative way. They like to do it in groups. They like to ask a lot more questions. And um, it, that is not how the system of investment exists at the moment. It's, it's another area that is still in a very patriarchal, um, patriarchal structure. And she said nothing's going to change until that structure changes. And this was really interesting from a woman who is an investor. Yeah, mm, yeah. the old model, the old God. We've always done it this way, listeners. Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> and the cliches go on. And the cliches rock. <laughs> yes, and of course, what often comes up is a, another organisation which does something similar in a different way. Comes up through entrepreneurs, doesn't it? And they start doing a, a, a good job through a very different structure. And um, I think that's what will happen ultimately. Yeah. And that will be those, those um, heart-centred leaders. And there's a huge amount of people coming out of banking at the moment. I had some met, met a woman last year who'd had a bit of a spiritual awakening and she's working in an investment bank. And she got this download that she really needed to start helping the whole face of banking change. But of course, she had no idea where to start. And uh, <laughs> yes, and... Uh, People are wakening up all over the place, desperately wanting to change these systems. And of course, bit by bit, they will. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a massive question, Rosemary, a massive question. Now, I'm making an assumption. And of course, we should never make assumptions, listeners. But I'm going to make one. Hosts, prerogative and all that. And I'm going to assume, Rosemary, that roughly speaking, you and I are around the same age. And... Mm -hmm. The reason I say that, irrespective of what the figure is, um, the question is this. Do you think we will see peace in our lifetime? World peace. Peace, peace on earth, peace, no more wars, peace. Well, it's how, I mean, that's a massive general question, isn't it? Because what defines world peace? One might argue, well, there's no war going on, or there's no world war, you know, like the conventional warfare, like, you know, so there's none of that going on uh, that we know about. Um, that's another topic altogether. You know, people are going to have different definitions of those two words, world peace, 10 letters, two words, world peace. But, you know, for me, it, it starts with that inner peace on a very relatively micro level. 
and then that compounding effect, to use a financial term, of one becomes two, becomes four, becomes eight. So it's a very, there's a reason I asked that, Rosemary, and as I say, so the semi-apologies almost for asking such an ambiguous question, because it's so subjective on so many levels. But I just want to throw it out there as a, as a starter for 10. <laughs> well, said that the big changes are going on between 2012 and 2032. Mm. It's now 2022, so we're halfway through. Um, apparently 2 billion people woke up in the last 18 months, woke up spiritually. They might not know it yet, but they're looking for a very different way of being and they're questioning. Mm. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's forecast that between about now and 2032, maybe 2050, the world will completely change. And we're, I think we're on a very, very fast trajectory for that. Yeah. I don't know how it will happen. Looking around this week, it, it looks looks a bit distant. But uh, I look at other things that have happened in our lifetime. You know, in, I was hearing this week some of the laws Margaret Thatcher put into place about schools not being able to discuss anything to do with being gay. That was put into statute when Margaret Thatcher was in power in, I think, the maybe late 80s, early 90s. And then Tony Blair came in and he, he put in all the different laws about civil partnerships and then gay marriage came and all the things that were completely inconceivable and totally illegal in your and my lifetime mm. and yeah. so you know what I don't know it seems quite unlikely at the moment but why not I'm up to I'm up for all possibilities and I've done something today that I wouldn't normally have done I've, I've done a, an activation for people in a very public forum and people who I didn't know would come in and have actually done it. And really, it was quite a spiritual thing that I've put out there in the public domain. And more and more of these things are getting picked up. And I'm seeing a lot more men and women in my life being much more curious about living a very different way and having a more peaceful existence. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Let's set the goal, shall we, Paul? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the reason I asked that, Rosemary, and I really smiled there when you said 2032, and I'll tell you why. Because I had a conversation with one of the World Game Changers patrons, um, a gentleman who lives in Denmark called Lars Heiselberg van Jensen. And Lars has been on previous podcasts and in books and what have you. And what an amazing soul he is, because he's the guy that, that um, co-founded the Growing Trees Network Foundation, and they're planting immeasurable numbers of trees and forests around the world. And two years ago, two years ago, Lars rang me to, you know, to wish me the obligatory happy in the year and all that kind of stuff. And we got talking, as, as is always. And he said, Paul... Now, Lars is, you know, I'm kind of saying, you know, around the same age. And he said, do you ever think we'll see peace in our lifetime? And intuitively, instinctively, Rosemary, it was a categoric yes. Do you, have, do you ever have one of those situations where you, you answer something and then you like a millisecond later think, wow, where did, what did I just say? Where did that come from? <laughs> um, you know, it was one of those. It was a categoric yes. And, you know, that was two years ago, uh, just, yeah, two years ago. 
And I've had a conversation with Lars in the last few days, well, the last couple of weeks. And he's, you know, we always talk about that, you know, that fateful day, the significance of it. And he said, Paul, I want to challenge you now on that, you know, on that fateful conversation. Put a date on it. Put a date on it. Put some, you know, some structure around it. Um, Okay. And trusting intuition. I asked a very, very, very close friend of mine. And I just put the question to her. Just give, just give me, in your thoughts, in your mind, your heart, more importantly, when will that day kick in? If, the, you know, I mean, it's, we, we, one would assume yet again, there's not going really, to be, it's not like flipping a light switch where one day, you know, the light's off and the very next day it's on. One wouldn't assume it would be that way. But what's interesting, Rosemary, is she said 11 years from now, which will take us up to 2033. And that's why I smiled when you said, you know, what you quoted up to 2032. Because uh, mm. I really do believe, and not from a headspace perspective, but in my heart and intuition that, you know, the world's heading in that direction. Despite, as you say, quite rightly, Rosemary, whatever is happening today, but, you know, one or two cliches have been flowing about, about today, particularly from myself. Well, here's another one, listeners. Because apparently we shouldn't use cliches. Well, podcasters shouldn't anyway. But this one is, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn. Mm. Another thing comes to mind, though, Paul. I was I was brought up in quite a churchy family, and they used to talk was about heaven and hell. And basically, it was that some people don't want a peaceful life, and it's their prerogative not to have one. So they will go somewhere where they can continue to what they want with each other. That's what the traditional idea of hell was, wasn't it? And it yeah. certainly wasn't. It wasn't as if it was a punishment. It was you go where you want to go. So you go where you're matched. You know, energetically, you go where you're matched. And yeah. I've got a colleague, colleague at the moment who's so scared that millions of people are going to die because every, all the energy is ascending and people aren't going to change. And, well, it's going to be different generations anyway. But my, my honest feeling, I think there's always going to be people who aren't interested in that. They, they, they want a different way of being. Maybe it's part of their progress. And, and there will have to be some sort of, there, there will always be that. And, um, and there will be, you know, we talk about dual timelines, don't we? And um, we, we existing in multi-dimensions. Apparently we all exist in multi-dimensions and there could be a dimension where people carry on warring whereas in another one they don't yeah absolutely yeah definitely i mean there's one thing for sure that you know however you know people define what what life is or what you know where they stand or what perspective they have i think there's one thing that we can all agree on if not the detail of it the world is changing the world is changing and um, yeah, you know, <laughs> in my humble opinion, despite all the darkness that still prevails, the world is changing for the better. Mm. Yes, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay, watch this space. So um, I want to kind of leave you to have the last word, 
Rosemary around this soulful leader thing. But before I do that, I want to invite you into your contact details with us, you know, how people can reach out. You know, as you said, you do work with women particularly. I mean, do you ever work with guys at all or is it exclusively women? I do work with guys occasionally. Um, when I work with a woman, often, <laughs> not often, but sometimes there's this thing, well, what's the point of me sorting my money stuff out? It's his fault or it's her fault. Yeah. And one lady came and worked with me and she knew that it would really help her partner to just come and do a basic hour with me and really start to understand his money personality. And, and it turned out they were very similar and they were both connector archetypes and connectors don't like managing the money. They love someone else to do it for them. Mm. And they were both that. So she wanted him to help out because it was her home and he'd moved in because she was older than him and he just wanted to pay rent. He didn't want any responsibility at all. And eventually they sat there and they looked at their different money personalities together and she said they, they couldn't talk about money at all. As two sensitive people, it was so painful. And they just end up in really frightening situations which threaten their relationship. And after that, there was this, this recognition of why they why they struggled with it. And from then on, they were able to work together, respect each other's boundaries. And they started a business together, a small business. Apparently, the following day, they went and opened a bank account together. Wow. Yeah, so I, I don't often, um, I don't often, I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. And particularly, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm open to it, but it doesn't, doesn't happen very often where people can find me my name is rosemary with a y cunningham and my website is rosemarycunningham.co.uk i'm on linkedin i offer one-to-one -one coaching i offer money courses and um, sometimes they're group money courses because money is a wonderful thing to work on in a group because you and i might, might be very different and I'm sitting listening to you talk about your challenges and going, oh, my goodness, that's my mum. That's why I could never talk to my mum about such and such. That's why she always did that thing that drove me mad. And, um, yes, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I run a group called Winning Women Essex, which is a heart-centred women's business group. And, uh, yeah, that's me. So please come and drop me a line. Come and find me. I do discovery calls if you're curious to know more. And I'd love to talk to anyone about this stuff. It's, it's my passion because I think when we understand our triggers around money and our personality, then we have so much more awareness of what's hitting our buttons. And those buttons can, being hit can make the difference between us actually going for a job or putting a program out in the world in our business or asking for a rise or putting our fees up. And there can be so much fear of rejection or um, really primal stuff that comes from being a, a smaller child that we just haven't healed. And now is a time, if we understand what's triggering us, we can do some pretty rapid healing on it as well. But the awareness is the main thing. Yeah, absolutely. Everything starts with awareness, doesn't it? Everything mm. starts with awareness. So let me ask you this final question then, Rosemary, if I may you know, around soulful leaders, what part, you know, having money or a great relationship with money 
that's going to help us, isn't it, to become a better, what does the word better? I mean, it's a very subjective term, but, you know, a more powerful or deeper soulful leader. Surely if we've got a great relationship with money, that that gives us a lot more, um, that gives us a lot more power, does it? Yes, it does. It gives you a lot more awareness, makes you kinder. And um, yes, um, but I think the relationship with money is, is one thing, but that your, your relationship with your money is also your, ruled by your relationship with yourself. So it really is self-worth and net worth. So how we feel about ourselves is the, is the primary place to start, which comes into the money work I do. And it's very challenging to solve a weight problem if you don't feel better about yourself. You know, if you haven't got that self-love, it's really challenging to sort out money challenges. I mean, I, I've seen this in my life. I've, I've, I've had money challenges. I've resolved them. I come into a lot of money, but because I hadn't healed that part of myself, I've just gone straight into that other pattern. It might have taken me five years to do it, but I've had a huge amount of money in my bank account and still had a panic attack about where the next money's coming from because I haven't resolved my relationship with money. So, yes, in answer to your question, a good relationship with money, um, respectful one and an understanding one, and one where you understand what you bring into the world and the transformation you bring, what it's worth to people and the difference it makes to life can make. And that applies to absolutely everyone. I think we're all leaders in our way, but that applies to the people who are doing, you know, the, the poorly paid work, the carers, because even though they might not get an increase of what they're doing, when they, if you understand your worth, then you can you can ask for more. You can go for that extra job. You can start your own business. And, um, yes, it, 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 it definitely comes back to self. <laughs> Absolutely. And I just want to pick up, by way of coming to a close now, what Rosemary said there, we are all leaders in our own way. Ain't that the truth? Maybe we don't know it quite to the degree that, uh, yet. But we are all leaders. We're all soulful leaders to varying degrees, if we choose to be. As you alluded to earlier on, Rosemary, some people might not be um, choosing to go down that path of, of being a soulful leader. But my take on it is we're all that. We, we already are. It's how much we want to open our eyes to the fact and how much we want to embrace that. So, um, yeah, we'll leave it there if we may. Rosemary, as ever. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Paul. It's a pleasure. <laughs> and listeners, you know what's coming next uh, from a very soulful host. Just to say, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond? <laughs>